Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and May is Mural Month. Welcome to the best time of the year. All month long, you'll hear from master muralists to learn the tips to creating a thriving business painting large scale. I have handpicked each interviewee based on their expansive knowledge of the mural industry so that you can learn from the absolute best. Plus, I'm throwing in some solo episodes all about how to make money with murals. And if that isn't enough, I have created a full training for you all about how to grow your art business quickly using murals like I have. If you're listening this month and thinking, okay, let me see what this mural thing is all about. Or if you're wondering if you are able to create murals too, then go to artistacademy.co. That's artistacademy.co, not com. That was taken. Dot com was taken. <laughs> anyway, to learn how you can start making money in the mural biz. The majority of my income comes from murals and I want to help you get started too because I know how profitable they can be. So go to artistacademy.co to claim your free training for the month of May. Woo! Welcome to Mural Month! This week's episode features Minnesota-based muralist Stony Tony Tony Stofke. <laughs> Tony has been in the mural game for 14 years plus, and this interview is a look into how he grew his art business from the start. We talk about some crazy mural stories involving painting on carpet walls and another one painting over 100 feet up. I'll let him tell you all about that, but it's been really fun for me to talk to these muralists because even though we all do it slightly different, we actually kind of all do it very much the same. <laughs> it's funny how similar we go about bidding projects and completing them with similar materials and all that. It's it's very different, but way more the same. So it's really fun for me to just talk about it to all these different muralists, including Tony. One other similarity is that everyone struggles in the beginning with finding work, but if you talk to anyone who has been in the game for more than 10 years, then they will tell you that things are going pretty swell. <laughs> and it's the same for Tony. Things get easier, as you'll hear. Let me know what you think about this week's episode with Tony Stofke. Hey guys, today I have Tony here to give you all of the fun mural advice. Tony, hello. How are you today? Hello. Doing great. How about you guys? <laughs> Good. Yeah, if you guys have any questions for Tony as we go along with this, please let him know and he will get them answered. So Tony, if you could start off by just explaining how you got into the arts and just tell me your backstory about how you got to where you are right now. All right, sure. I pretty much realized uh, when I was about five years old that I could draw. So that right away was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. My brothers would try to draw stuff and theirs turned out horrible, at least most of them. And mine actually turned out pretty good. So that was kind of neat. So I did a little bit of, you know, painting here and there when I was younger, when I was 11 or so, 12. I do a lot of Bob Ross paintings off of watching them on TV and just not following along painting with them, but watching them and then getting my own oil paints and, and painting. So I have just stacks of old oil paintings, scenery and stuff. So yeah, he was, he's obviously an amazing teacher and really got me into that, the, the painting side. And then after that, I pretty much thought, they always said artists can't make any money and there's no career for it kind of thing. So I didn't even take art in college at all. I didn't even think I was going to be getting 
even into this at all. So then I did software engineering after college. And then, then I went into regular house painting because I got laid off with 30 other people at once. And I couldn't, couldn't get quite back into it. I didn't have enough you know, time into that job. Went into regular house painting just because they were making a lot of money at the time. And thought, well, that sounds fun. So I was doing that for about two, three years. And all of a sudden, at one of the jobs I was at, I saw a mural artist and saw the, the cool like jungle room she was painting. And all of a sudden, it just completely clicked. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I called my wife up. I'm like, hey, hon, I'm going to become a mural artist. And she's like, you're going to... You're going to what? I'm going to paint pictures on people's walls. And she goes, but you've never done that before. And I go, ah, that, that doesn't matter. That's no biggie. You know? So then I pretty much just got all the books I could, watched a lot of YouTube. There's not really a mural artist class you can, there's maybe a, a week-long course you can go to, but there's not like a degree or something you can get that I know of. So yeah, and then I pretty much, it was really neat because the painting company that I worked for, he off, he didn't offer any custom painting at all. It was just regular painting. So he said, just make up some cards and, and put them in each new house we paint and just see if you get any side jobs from it. So that's what I did. And I just started picking up side work. And after about six months, I told them, I'm going on my own, going to do the art. And that was probably about, that was about 14 years ago now. Oh, so, wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. You've been and in this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I started that's- my own company when I was 27. And uh, yeah, it's been great. And every year I get more work than the year before and, and all that good stuff. So I've, this is like the best job I've ever had. So <laughs> For real. It really is. It, it, it is the best job ever. <laughs> like, yeah. You get to make your own schedule. You get to paint for a yeah. living, especially large scale. Have you always liked to paint large scale or did well, you, you like my- the canvas? Before I did my first mural, I never painted anything bigger than just a two foot by two foot canvas or so. It took some getting used to. And plus, I'd never done much in acrylic. It had always been in oil. And you find out pretty quick, acrylic dries just so fast, even with glazes and everything else. You're thinking, I got to paint a, a sky that's 10 feet wide. Do I use a brush that's four feet wide? How does this work? So it took some getting used to. There's so many techniques and videos to watch. And it's a lot of it's just trial and error. Yeah, it really is. Do you have any anything that you don't like to paint without? Do you have any supplies that you are just airing your supply kit at all times? Uh, brushes, of course, but those I've come to, to realize that murals are tough on brushes. So I, I don't buy the super top of the line brushes anymore like I used to when I first started. I, I just get the low end and acrylic brushes or oil brushes. And then they last about maybe two, two, three jobs. And then I'm on to the next one because they just, the wall surface is just so rough, especially if it's outside or something. But then what changed it for me a couple jobs in was finding this glaze called, you can buy it at paint stores or at uh, Home Depot and Lowe's and all that kind of good stuff. And people think it's a glaze extender. So it makes your paint more transparent. And people think that you add that to the paint so the paint stays wet longer and then you can blend it and work with it, which is good. You can do that. But I actually like to use it so that you can make multiple layers of see-through paint. So if I'm making a cool sunset sky, I don't try to blend all the colors together on the first go while everything's wet the first time. I'll just do layer after layer and let those layers dry. And as long as you have enough glaze in the paint, you can actually see through your next layer into the layer underneath it. And all those layers together make a nice, soft, blended look. That was a huge game changer for me, finding that that product. 
Oh gosh, Floetrol. Yeah. I remember the first time I figured that out, people were like, hey, use some of this. I was like, what is this stuff? Looks like a gallon of oil. (laughs) Yeah. Or Elmer's glue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's white. But I remember one of the first mural jobs I was on, some of the older muralists, the more experienced ones, where they just swore by it. They're like, we need more flow straw. I was just like, and like, I've I've tried to use it a little bit. I've used it, like you said, a little bit in glaze. Like I did a white see through glaze one time to do a logo, like a ghosted logo. But other than that, I've never really tried it. I think I'm just missing a little bit of exactly how to do it. (laughs) It's really neat. Say, just as a for instance, say you wanted to do even just a a still life of an apple. So you could paint your medium kind of red base color, and then you could take Floetrol, add it to black, and just thin that black way down. And then rather than have to tint red to a darker red to do your shadow, you just actually use black with a lot of Floetrol, and it goes over all the red at, at different ways you want, and it shades it that way. So what's neat is that you can paint objects with multiple colors. Like you can even have five or six different colors, and you could shade them all at once. You don't have to add darker colors to each individual color that's on that object, whatever it is, if it's a beach ball or whatever. You just shade them all at once, and it just yeah it cuts down on time, and it, and it does have a really neat, realistic look. So. Okay. I'm buying Floetrol and I'm just keeping it. <laughs> I That's a perfect example. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should be giving away all these secrets. but Okay. Awesome. Let's see. So you, we've got the supplies down. What's your favorite thing to paint? Like when, when you get a job or you bid a job or someone's, uh, hey, come paint this. Well, you're like, what gets you the most excited? <laughs> Yeah, they all do to some degree for sure. But I guess anything with wildlife, I really like. And that's what I really, is easy for me to do. But then I do like doing stuff, whether it's like from movies or stuff. I've done Star Wars millions of times and that's always a ton of fun. So yeah, overall, it's probably wildlife is probably the thing that's in my wheelhouse the most, but it's all so much fun. And you just, the ideas that people come up with, it's just so cool. I love, yeah, I I can relate to that quite a bit. Yeah, I love doing yeah. the wildlife stuff. <laughs> and do you like painting people? I, I They're hard, but actually I do painting them, mostly just for the challenge. But many times I've had to paint the actual clients in the mural and, and sometimes they're right there watching you and, and it has to look like them. Otherwise they might not pay you. So it is fun. I do enjoy it. I, I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement and for getting better and better on, on people just because they are so difficult, but I don't shy away from it. I don't tell people, no, I don't do it. No, I, I take it on every time and just try to get better at it. One job I had, it was the guy, he had me painting him and his wife, like in a vineyard in Italy where they went to visit. And I said, give me your reference pictures and I'll, yeah, I can paint you in the vineyard. So he gives me all these pictures and I start painting and he goes, can you make me look a little younger? And I go, because all the pictures he gave me is 65 years old in these pictures. And I go, I, I can, but I don't know what, I don't know you. You got to give me pictures of you when you were younger. You know, <laughs> She never did. So I don't know why. <laughs> so I just kind of took the pictures he had and not so much gray hair. And, and he was happy. It's just strange sometimes. <laughs> but you, can, you get through it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I was painting one last summer and the woman was like, make me look slimmer. I was like. Okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, yeah, you should tell you tell people the a mural adds ten pounds, just like the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Yeah, they, I feel like they would take it out on us. <laughs> like, like, I, 
might not get paid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we love to talk about numbers and making money with art in here. Are you comfortable with me asking you a couple things of like, how do you yeah. price your stuff? Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. I want to explain it the right way because it works out really well for me. Some people charge by the square foot. I, I tried that for like two jobs. It just doesn't work because every job is so different. If you were painting practically the same thing every time, it would work. You'd just have $10 a square foot for that and it would work. But it's just so different and the detail level is so different. What I do is I'll do the designs with people. I'll come up with renderings and designs using Photoshop and their pictures and really get a good idea of what we're going to be doing and what they want. And then at that point, I'll look at that design and I'll say, okay, I think that's going to take me three days to paint or four days to paint. And then I just have a day rate. So my day rate, I charge $420 a day, but then paint and all that is on top of that. That cost is afterwards. So that way, I, I if I don't get it done in three days and it takes me five days, then I actually lose money. But if but lately, in the last 10 years or so, you get good enough at it where you're within a day or so. Usually I'm right on of how much time I have to put in this. And then it helps people too because they might I might send them a design and say this is going to take me three days for 1200 or so and then they come back and say i can only afford 800 so then i tell them okay i can still do the same design there's just going to be a little less detail and i'll spend two days on it instead and so it just works out well so I, I do like to set the price up front that way every time i take a break or if i have to go do a bid over lunch that they're not worrying I, i'm still paying you know, an hourly rate for this guy and he's not here where is he so this way it's all they know exactly what the price is before i start and, and then unless they, they change the scope and add a ton of stuff that we never talked about, then that price is firm. So. Okay. I got you. Yeah. I love talking about this because that's exactly what I do too. I tried to do the $10 for square foot, $30 for square foot thing. And it's just, yeah. it's, I don't know. I, I sometimes will even tell people it's between 10 and $30 for square foot, but really I'm going to do the time, like whatever the time would be. How much do you charge for a one day project or like a week project? Like what is your price range? So one day is 420 and then uh, so a five day project is around 2100. And then if it's on a ceiling, I'll charge more just because it's hard on your neck and, and everything. If it's up high on scaffolding, I'll charge a little more per day. And so there's different things that might make it go up a little bit. If they're you know, an hour away from here, I'll charge a little more for gas and time. But that's kind of my set rate, 420 a day. So it, it evens out to a little over 50 an hour. And I've been slowly bumping it up here and there. I haven't done much in the last couple of years, but some of it's just the supply and demand. Right now I'm booked out till July. And so you get to the point where if you have so much work coming in, you can, you can bump it up a little bit just because I don't know about you, but I go on like the mural artist page, Facebook page. And if anybody says they're working for $50 an hour or under, they're just going, Hey, that's crazy. You got to be charging more. So I definitely know you, you can charge more. Some of it's just, you don't want to lose every job that comes your way either. I, I like to have a full schedule. So that seems to be the right range for my area, the Twin Cities. Yeah. And it's different with everybody too. Cause when I talk about pricing too, it's like, I, I do this, but if you're on the East coast, then just double everything I'm telling you because it's all just so different. Yeah. Yeah. The prices range a lot across the country for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that. Let's see what else. Oh, I had a bunch of other questions here, but I don't have my thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Is there any kind of mural advice that you've just gotten through the 
fast 14 years of doing murals that you just want to share that you've anything you've learned getting back to pricing not so much going over all that again but just simply establishing a price up front with people when you first start doing jobs the hardest thing to talk about is just money at all and i've come across quite a few different artists who who basically figured out a design went and painted and just assumed that the people were going to pay them and everybody has a different idea of what art is worth so I, i've known a couple of people that got really burned right away right off the bat so i don't like talking with about money either with people i'd rather just get there and do the art and all that but it's just a necessary thing and it just makes i like to keep it wide open for so everybody's on the same page for, as far as that goes so yeah definitely just just set a price, get it up front before you start, before you pick up a brush, what's going on with that, even if you don't care about the money side as much. And then the next thing is just, yeah, just experiment like crazy. Use those glazes, try different ways, whether it's a projector or a grid design or freehand or whatever. It's just paint. You can always paint over it. So yeah, you just experiment like crazy and, and just have fun and and ask, especially when you're first starting, ask any sibling or parents or anybody to just give you a wall somewhere, you know, in their house so you can just practice and try stuff. And, and yeah, mostly just have fun. I love that you said that it's just paint. You can just paint over it. Cause I, I feel like I say that all the time to people and they're like, Oh, I guess so. You know, so I'm so yeah. glad that you say that. It's like all our, all of our muralist minds think alike in that way. Yeah. Yeah, do, you, yeah. do you use a uh, contract? No, that's one thing I probably should, but I never have because I've never gotten burned. So one of these days I'll lose out like $5,000 and I'll be like, why didn't I ever have a contract? I've looked into it. I've read other people's ones and versions and stuff. But for whatever reason, when it's just a one person, you're just a one person company and you're working directly with the people. I've just, there's only been one guy that took a month to pay me and, and that was it. And then one other guy, he was a contractor. So he actually went bankrupt in the middle of the job. But I don't even know. I don't think a contract would have even mattered even for him once you declare bankruptcy and all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, it is a good idea. I actually do recommend it. I just haven't got around to actually getting it all in order and, and doing that whole side of things. Once in a while, if you're working for a commercial job, they'll want you to sign a really simple contract that basically just says, this is the design you're, I'm going to paint and for this price. And so that if the need arises and they actually specifically ask for it. But when I'm working in individual homeowners one-on-one, unless they ask for it, it just, and I don't know if that in a weird way shows trust right away. It's a little more risky on my side than it is for theirs. But I, like I said, I've, I've just never had any problems with it. I think that comes down to living in the Midwest. Kind of, or wait, is, is Minnesota the yep. Midwest? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm in Missouri and we're just very in the Midwest. Sure. And I was thinking that the other day too. I'm like you. Only I have a contract that I'll use for bigger projects or ones where I like maybe have a feeling, like the ones I had to travel at yeah. all. But yeah. the majority, like my husband is always on me because he does insurance yeah. and he's like, one of these days you're going to get burned. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> it's like this Midwest trust kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, that, and, and I mean, I read the contracts that you're supposed to use and half most of it's all just about me the artist this and this and it doesn't seem like it seems so one-sided i just can't bring myself to bring it up to people unless they ask sometimes usually in mine i'll put in there hey it also says in the contract that you own the work that way i can't be like hey that's mine like you own it the thing and that helps but yeah do you take a deposit Yes, many times, unless it's just like a two-day job or a one or two or three-day job. But if it's any more than that, I'll just ask them for a half down and I've never had any problems. Yeah, I do the same. <laughs> if I have to do a sketch or something, I'll be like, hey, pay me like 500 bucks. That way I just like know that the sketch is going to be worth it. But other than that, I'm like, 
just pay me out. I don't want to take two payments. <laughs> like, it just goes back to the whole like Midwest thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, People are shocked. You. Yeah. When you do a three day job and it's still over a thousand dollars and, and they, you just say, Oh, just pay me at the end. They're just shocked. Like, really? Are you sure? And then sometimes they pretty much are throwing money at you and you're going, all right, I'll take it. I'll take the down payment. Sure. That's fine. That works for me too. <laughs> exactly. I was just thinking this yesterday. I did one for a customer that I had before and I, I was done with their window painting though. She's like, Oh, and she, she, she was worried about paying me. And I was like, I don't really care. Just do it later. She said, really? I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't care. Just mail it to me. She's like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. But it's just like, I'm in the Midwest. I didn't even have a contract with them. I'm just like, these are good. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm sure people are listening that are from like LA or something. They're like, uh-uh. <laughs> like people here, uh-uh. So just kind of maybe fill out your customer. I don't know. Yeah, it all depends. You have to know. There's definitely bids you do where you're thinking, I don't know how this is going to. So every job is different. So you do have to just, you know, think it through a bit. Yeah, for sure. Has anything gone wrong? Like, I know you haven't been burned really, but have you maybe learned had a mistake of any kind? Tell us something bad that happened. I guess probably the biggest mistake mostly comes down, like I love communication, especially just one-on-one with the actual people that I'm working for. Then I just never have any problems at all. So it's usually there's problems if there's an in-between person, whether it's a builder or an interior designer. And many times that works great when everything's happy. But there's been a couple jobs where for whatever reason, I, I never got to speak to the homeowner at all, ever. And then you're just working constantly through these other people. And sure enough, those are the ones that in the end, the, the homeowner doesn't quite like it or they paint over it. I mean, even though you got paid, but still it's just those jobs that kind of go, if, if I could have just had even 10 minutes with the person, uh, this all could have probably been avoided, but it just, for whatever reason, either they live out of town or they live somewhere else, or they're just, they're, they're having a huge project done and they just don't want to talk to individual trades on the project. So that's probably been where the, the biggest problems. And there was a, definitely a couple jobs when I first started where she'd say, the homeowner would say, I want a tree painted in the nursery. And then, so I'd show up and she'd be at work and I'd paint a tree in the nursery, you know, and then she'd come home and say, I didn't want that kind of tree. I wanted a different kind of tree. So that's just that getting used to when you're first starting that, oh, okay, yeah, I, I got to figure out the details, all the little details. And nobody's ever going to say, hey, you're being too open and community. They're always going to want you to talk with them and, and figure out all that kind of stuff. Unless they specifically say, I really don't care. You just paint whatever you want. And that does happen too sometimes. And sometimes that can almost be harder because deep down you're thinking that's what they say, but hardly anybody wants you to just paint whatever you want. They always have some kind of idea. So it, yeah, that's probably the areas I've gotten burned. Yeah. Before. Definitely. Yeah. Cause people are like, yeah, I just use your creativity. And then you, I sketch something out and they're like, not like that. <laughs> like, okay. So I could just, I could yep. totally relate to exactly what you just said. It's not that kind of tree. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just funny how it works out like yep. that. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to go with what they say. One lady wanted a tree in the nursery with no leaves. And I said, do you want snow on it? Is it like winter? And she goes, no, it's not winter. So I want it to look like an old oak tree with no leaves, but I don't want it to be scary. I don't think you'd, if you take the leaves off an oak tree, it looks scary no matter what you do. But I just 
did it. And even though I'm thinking to myself, I, I would never want this in my nursery. She absolutely loved it. It was her idea. It's what she wanted. So that's what it is. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it is all about just pleasing the customer. There's some strange ideas out there that people have. And even so, there's been a couple where I'm in the middle of it. And, and in the end, I'm like, oh. I guess this is pretty cool. Yeah. This, this is, <laughs> like, but the whole yeah, time I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> Surprise yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning of the process, uh, the mural process, so do you, did they usually call you? Do they email you, message you on Facebook? Like how do people contact you? It's a little bit of everything. People definitely call me directly or text me or a uh, Facebook message or uh, email through my website. So it comes from all over. You never know for sure where the next lead's going to come. I'd say maybe only about 15% of my jobs are actual from referrals that I've done other murals for. When you're doing regular painting, you get referrals like crazy all the time. And, and then you do artwork and custom work and you definitely get some, but it's not enough to just fill your whole schedule. And, uh, and at first you're thinking, what does that mean? Does, do people not want to refer me and all that kind of stuff? And then you come to realize that people, murals aren't on the top of everybody's radar. Many people think they're so expensive, they're not, it's not even worth looking into. Or many people have just never even considered it or even thought of it. It just never crossed their mind. So even though people come over and see this cool wall and everything else, it doesn't necessarily go right into another job like regular painting does. Regular painting, once somebody finds a good painter in the neighborhood, everybody calls them because they just don't want to have to deal with 400 different painters in the, used to be the phone book, but you know, and on the online, it's try to figure out in their area who to, who to choose. It's just easier to just go with somebody somebody else has already used. Whereas murals, yeah, it's a whole different thing. It's almost like people have to get used to that whole even idea and concept. And the fact that it's, for the most part, it's pretty reasonable. It's not like you have to take a loan out on your house just to get a mural done in your kid's room. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people that approach me, they're like, I don't know if I can afford you, but this is what I want. I'm like, okay, well, you can yeah. create something within that budget. And one thing I've been doing recently too. So I was talking to a lady and I came in to do a, I came in to do a, uh, a mural in her bathroom. And she was like, it was going to cost $1,200 to do this for a wallpaper. And I was like charging her half that. I was like, whoa, really? Okay. So I've been using that as a marketing tool. So like a lot of people don't even realize that sometimes it could cost less than wallpaper, which is just crazy. Yeah. And it's, and if you ever want to paint over it in 10 years, you just paint over it. You don't have to try to get all that wallpaper off, you know, and, and start over, which is always just a mess. Yeah. So they call you or they they send you an email or whatnot. So say someone is sending you an email or a Facebook message and they're like, hey, I would like you to paint this. How do you not get ghosted? Because a lot of the members in our academy, they we just had this conversation about just how to not get ghosted because especially in the beginning, they're like, man, I'm giving them a mural, a quote for a mural for like pennies, it feels just because I want to do it. And so it's maybe a couple hundred dollars and people just ghost. Like, so I was just talking to a couple of them the other day and they're like, yeah, like the last three people have ghosted me and I have nothing on my schedule. How do I not get ghosted? 
Yeah, you never know for sure. It's a numbers game sometimes, and it always happens. You get all the jobs at once when your schedule is completely packed, and then when your schedule is wide open, everybody's kicking the tires, and nobody really wants to commit and do anything. So it, it does seem to rain or pour in that sense. So yeah, I just I treat every single lead that comes to me as if it's a legit and it's going to be the real deal, just because there's no way of weeding them out. There's no way of knowing for sure, unless it's really obvious. There's a few scams emails and texts that go around. I just moved into a house and I need some painting done. And they're really vague and they're really, and those I've, in the beginning, you go back and forth just for a little bit and then you just go. So I never lined anything up with them, but there's, those are ones that are really obvious. The, the ones that it looks like somebody really wants to get a design and get something. I do designs for free too. I just work on a design. I send it over, send them my price, and then it's in their ballpark at that point. And, and they just, if they want to pursue it or not, there's definitely times I can but you look back and you can tell, okay, I think that person was just, they might even been another person looking to get into murals and just want to see what the pricing is for different things from different local artists. You just never know. It's, I guess it's just kind of part of the business. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially the whole feast and famine kind of a thing. It's right now, I'm glad that you said you're booked out till July because that's a similar case here. And I'm just like, where are all these things? There are all these people coming from. But how? So I usually typically go through a down phase in January, February, typically March too, but that's not, it wasn't like that this year. But typically, the start of the year is typically less. Is that the same for you or do you have what's it like? Yeah. I'd say that usually is. There's definitely been years where it just never slowed down at all. But yeah, I, I would say that's what I prepare for a little bit, that January and February. And then sometimes it even hops to June where people are all of a sudden doing all their other yard work and all their other stuff. And then the last thing they want to do is, is hire a painter of, of any sort. So it, it does bounce around a little bit, but I'd say the last maybe two to three years, it hasn't slowed down at all, which has been really nice. But yeah, usually and now, whether I don't advertise for doing canvas paintings at all, just because I'm so busy with the murals, but I still get a few clients that I'll do a mural for them and then they'll contact me and want a canvas piece done. So I, I even now I, I have probably four or five paintings that they've said, whenever you get time, you can do these for me, which is nice. It's nice to have it as a backup and, and as a schedule filler, but yeah, it is seasonal, and, and that definitely was the way it was for me for the first seven or eight years. But now it's just you get to a point where you just have so much, your portfolio is so big, and you just get so much work coming in from so many different places. And yeah, that's as artists, that's what we're, we all strive for. Yeah, definitely. It's So they say do canvases in your spare time. Is that a thing? Is this spare time a thing? Not really. It'd only be if, if I get to... That's the other thing you got to learn too with doing this kind of stuff is that all of a sudden two big, huge jobs you had that were a week or two long a piece, they just cancel on you because they end up moving or something happens that they don't even, you don't even find out about it and they're in their personal life and they can't afford you all of a sudden. And so sometimes that'll happen and the other jobs that you have aren't able to move up and all of a sudden now you have a two week, you know, hole in your schedule. So that's what I mean by downtime. It's more between jobs and and when it just doesn't quite work out or say you're doing an exterior job and, and it rains for a week straight, maybe I'll start in on one of those canvas paintings and do that. 
I get really excited when jobs cancel. <laughs> I'm usually like, oh, I get a break. Thank you. Okay. Nope. No problem. <laughs> How are you dealing with being so booked out? So coming from someone who is also booked out till July, it's a lot on my mind just because like people need sketches and I feel, and then there's always last minute stuff, like people add on stuff. So I feel like I'm just really overwhelmed right now. How do you deal with that? That's the hard, one of the hardest things for me too because I, I like to try to keep everybody happy on my schedule and it, and pretty soon you're packing everybody in so tight because they want to get on your schedule so bad and then now you have no room to breathe and if, if anything happens to go wrong if one of the kids gets sick or something during the day when you got to go home early or if anything even the minor, the tiniest wrinkle happens it can throw stuff off so I've been trying really hard to just give people not set their expectations too high and especially the jobs that I'm already looking at booking in July and even into even in June a little bit I know that the work is there for June but I haven't necessarily set it in stone yet the last bit of the month mostly because I just want to let people know this is your general time frame but I'm just not going to commit yet to I'm starting July 3rd on your job and sometimes people have a hard time with that but especially when a lot of my jobs previous to theirs are exterior jobs and depend on the weather it's I'd rather I'd rather not disappoint them by not showing up the exact day I said and once it gets closer within a week or so I'll definitely lock it in and I'll say okay this is exact and I, and I keep tabs with them and tell them yeah I haven't forgotten about you, you have the early part of July you know, or whatever, but I've been trying not to lock people in so solid and that just gives me a little more leeway and not quite as stressful, but you know what it's like many times, there's just nothing you can do. You just have to do an 18 hour day, a couple of days like that in a row and work a Saturday here and there and, and then hope that you can finish and take a rain day off. So I mean, it does happen, but yeah, I do have to be careful because I like to I just to please my customers so badly, you can't kill yourself in the process. So true. And it's funny because I thought of myself as not a people pleaser for a while, long time. And I'm <laughs> looking back on it, I'm like, I'm lying to myself. <laughs> like, I, I need to like be real with them and me. I, yeah. Even recently, I've been messaging people because I was like, hey, I'll get a mock up to you by a couple of weeks. And I'm like, Hey, I haven't forgot about you. Just like you said, I think that's a great opening. Just, Hey, I haven't forgot about you. I'm going to do it. It's just really busy. Thanks. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes it's a weird thing. Like my brother is a general contractor. He has his own company and he's a complete opposite. He basically just tells people, this is when I can do your deck, take it or leave it. And if you want me to do it sooner, I'm going to charge you double. And then they'll still hire him. I, I just thought, so basically what I've learned from him is that you don't have to be rude with people or anything, of course. But at the same time, if you tell people right out, the only reason I'm not getting back to you right now is just because I'm so busy when I'm trying my hardest to get back to you. A lot of times they look at that and they go, wow, this guy must be really good, you know, I mean, or, or their work must be amazing. I don't want to lose my, my opportunity here by saying, hey, come on, where's my design? So they don't want to, they don't want to rock the boat either. And that does help. And then by the time you get there, they're just so happy you made it to their house that, that at that point, it's great. You're off to, a, you're off to a good start in a way. And then the main thing, of course, is once you're there and once I always say, once you're, once I've said, I'm going to be there these three days, unless something really does happen out of the 
out of my control, then I truly, if I say I'm going to be there at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm there at eight o'clock in the morning. And, and I really try to be really prompt and really do exactly what I said at that point. And then they appreciate that because many contractors have a, a reputation for, for just never showing up or being not coming till noon over and over again. So if you actually just simple things, if you can get there within 10 minutes of when you said they were, that you would, and you do that every day, there people are just amazed. They're just literally blown away. And if you say, I'm going to get it done by Friday afternoon and you actually get it done by then, they're just totally amazed. But it's just such simple things really, but it, it, it means a lot. Yeah, I, I can totally relate. I remember there was one guy who hired me to come to his house and make things look more expensive. So every <laughs> for three or four days a month, every month, I would just be like, okay, yeah, I'll come. This isn't this day. And every day I was like, hey, I'll be there at 10 o'clock. So not super early. And I would he, yeah. after a couple of months, he's like, you are here every single day at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, yeah, he's just because it's not super early. And he's that is just awesome. I'm like, he's like, I, yeah. just, I am just staying with you forever i'm like huh not like my painting abilities not like all that you just you're here yeah. at 10 that's great so i totally just to echo your your yeah for sure <laughs> awesome okay so uh, let's see what other kind of mural stuff can we talk about do you have any fun mural stories like this is so this is mural month and just any i don't know any kind of fun jobs that you've been on that's i don't know once you've painted a, a couple hundred murals, there's so many. Every single one of them, I think, is an adventure. A couple of them that stick out, one that was crazy was I, I told this bowling alley that I could paint a mural on their wall. And I get there, and their wall is carpet. It's just like this really tight industrial carpet over the entire wall. And they go, oh, yeah, our walls are carpet. Is that going to be a problem? But I'm thinking to myself, I've never painted a mural on carpet before, but I know if you spill paint on carpet, it's hard to get off. So I would assume it's going to stick just fine. <laughs> so not that I've ever spilled paint. Being a regular painter, I've come across that before from other guys as well. <laughs> uh, so I, I said, yeah, I can I can paint a mural on carpet. That's fine. So I get there the first day, and all I want to do is just roll a white primer on the carpet, or at least on a 20-foot wide section so I could start. And the owner's sitting up there at the desk, and he's watching me. And I, I dip into the paint with a big old roller, a really thick, heavy nap holding a ton of paint. And I go to roll it on the wall, and I can't spread it at all. It just sticks to the whatever carpet and just sucks into it, and I can't spread any paint. It looks, so after about an hour, it, it looks so bad. I thought, and I'm looking up at the owner up at the desk and he's glancing at it, looking at me. And, and I, I could just tell you the look on the face, like this guy is wrecking my bowling alley, wrecking my walls. And so I just thought, what? I got to do something quick to save this or, or I'm never, they're going to kick me out of here. Today's my first day and they're going to kick me out of here and, and have me pay to get new carpet on the walls. So I, even though I hadn't, you know, thought about doing this step yet, I wasn't going to do this step for a couple of days. I just picked up like a little chip brush and a different color, um, not white, like a dark gray color. And I just started sketching in the design and the, the, it was like a castle design. So I just started sketching it in with a brush over the horrible, nasty white, background that I had already done. And and after about a half hour, the owner comes over. He said, that is the coolest looking thing I've ever seen. I can't wait to see what this looks like when it's done. And, uh, and I just, I saved the job just simply because I, I started sketching it in and gave people that visual of what it was going to be. 
And then after that, it took another two weeks of trying different sponges and everything else to figure out how to cover this carpet in a way that, that actually worked. And I did figure it out. It took three times more paint than I thought, but it worked. And uh, yeah, that was one crazy adventure just because it was literally... I was minutes away from getting kicked out of there. And then, yeah, the other crazy one was last summer where I got to go, where I got to do a silo, a farm silo that was 100 feet up in the air. And I'd never done a lift that high before. And I had to run the lift the whole time. And the ground all around it was super soft because they had just taken down a barn and all this crazy stuff. So, yeah, half the time. Oh, my gosh, no. Half the time I I didn't know if it was going to if I was going to stay up or not, but it was, it was a great adventure and it was a great, great fun. And you can see it from the highway. And of course it's a little town. So eventually the whole town knows you're there and they're driving by. And uh, so it's a lot of pressure, but I, I do the pressure. I think it makes me more focused and work harder. And, and, and it turned out great and they loved it. I didn't hear one complaint from any of the neighbors. I got, I got in this little local newspapers and all that good stuff. And, and they absolutely loved it. But that That's was another awesome. one where I had no idea if it was going to, if it, how it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't like heights at all. Like I, mean, <laughs> I would probably do it, but I would literally do the bottom first and then work my way up and get used to it. So are, how were you up there? Cause you, when the lift's out like that, it's, it's like wobbles any, at any movement, it wobbles. Uh, well, and the wind pushes you all over the place. So oh my gosh, the uh, wind. by the third <laughs> By the third day, I bought a digital like wind reader thing because then you could hold it up and the and it would read the wind how many miles per hour because you're not supposed to be up there if it's over 20 miles an hour and 20 feels like 40 when you're up there. So that was my way of trying to stay safe, at least from the wind. So no, I don't care for heights necessarily, but I, I did like some roofing as a teenager and stuff. So I got over, I'm not petrified, but I am careful. And yeah, I don't, nobody wants to fall from a hundred feet up. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. Boy. Both of those. I've never really heard of the carpet thing either. (laughs) Oh yeah. By the way, it's on carpet. (laughs) Yeah. And some of it was bright blue carpet. That's not an easy paint. (laughs) It's not an easy color to paint when you're trying to do a castle wall over blue, but I'm going to go to your Instagram or Facebook or wherever that is. I I got, I have to see this. (laughs) I just have to. Yeah. (laughs) awesome do you have any advice for artists this is my last question and i'll let you go for the day but any advice for artists who want to make murals their full-time career but have no idea where to start like where do they even start to get a job how do you get a job there's a couple different ways one way is just simply making up some simple business cards vista print or wherever and and i what i did is i just went to a lot of paint stores around town sherwin williams for us it's hirschfields not so much the big the big box office stores because they don't have a wall of of, of uh, business cards but a lot of the local paint stores they actually have an area where they put people's business cards up and the cool thing is they're for the most part they're all regular painters up there but so you'll right away you'll stand out as you're the artist you're the mural painter and yeah you just put a nice looking maybe just paint one mural in your own bedroom or your own mom's house and then take a picture and put that on your business card you know and and then yeah you set that out you talk to the paint store people and say this is what i do and i get lots of referrals even just from paint stores and you can do that before you even build a website or anything so yeah that's definitely one way and then when the first couple of years I'd even just in a sense it's cold call but it was just through email where I just email like 50 different veterinarian offices or kids daycare centers and just email them just directly 
and just say, hey, if you ever, and I found the only one that anybody ever replied to was if I put in the title, do you ever thought about a mural? What's your price? Name your price. And, uh, and that got people to at least open it up. And then it, I expected people to be coming back with all their ideas and their price of $20 or $100. And in reality, they came back with all their ideas and never once named their price. They just wanted a quote, but at least gave them the, the, the general concept that I was willing to work with them and, and that I was willing to work within their budget. It was like a subconscious thing. I didn't mean it to be. I was just trying to let people know I was open to their ideas and it worked. So I actually got quite a few jobs the first couple of years, just basically emailing all these places and uh, even without much of a portfolio. So people always, they're worried if I don't have a huge portfolio, how am I ever going to get work? And all you really only need is a few jobs in a sense. Yeah, you're going to get, the, if you have a wide range of projects and a large portfolio, you're definitely going to get more work. But at the same time, people still will hire you if they see a couple of your jobs and they like your style and they like the the way that you that you communicate with them. They'll give you a shot. One of the first murals I ever painted was the ocean scene. And I'm thinking to myself, little does this lady know, I've never painted an ocean scene like this in my whole life. And here I'm doing it on an eight by 10 wall and it turned out great. And then that's another thing to know, just as far as going into the mural field, you have to be comfortable with not being comfortable in a sense, because every single job you do for the most part, unless it's an exact design that you've already done for the most part, you're going to use things that you learned in other jobs, techniques, you know, how to do trees in the distance or whatever. You're going to use stuff over and over. But for the most part, every job is in a sense different. You know? and, and it might be, you know, I always tell people, they, they'll ask, have you ever painted that before? And I'll say, no, but that's okay. Cause I, every single job I do, I've pretty much never painted that specific thing before. So you have to like that side of things that you're painting something for the first time. I've never painted a flower 20 feet wide before, but that's okay. I want to give it a shot. And once people realize that's how you approach it, then they're not so much worried if they didn't see a 20 foot wide flower on your website. They'll still hire you because you just tell them right out. Yeah, every job I do, it's brand new. And that's part of the fun. Oh, a 20 foot flower sounds amazing. I would love to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And it, I think the more you go, the easier it gets. But I, I remember in the beginning too, just every new wall was like a deer in headlights look. That I yeah. would do. I'm just like, yeah. there, I remember to the point where people would come by and say, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and, like, and I would just be like, "Yeah, I'm having fun." <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> oh my gosh, it yeah. is. It's, it is yeah. stressful. Like it's very yeah. stressful. It is stressful, and you have to. And even when you're experienced, have been doing it for over ten years, you have to enjoy the. Some people they don't like stress at all. But I find, and once one thing I think that's that sets muralists apart from fine artists who paint on canvas and stuff is that you do, you have to go into it knowing you're going to be on stage. You're going to be in front of people, whether you like it or not. A lot of projects are done in commercial settings or, or even in somebody's home when the kid comes home from school and sits on his bed and watches you paint for the next two hours and watches every single thing you do. So if you have to enjoy that in the sense that it makes you focus more and I've always been that way so that's never been a problem it still gets you nervous and everything but you learn how to control that and use that energy and that nervousness to to just really want to do the best you possibly can and uh, so yeah it's different than painting what you feel like painting that day in your home studio it's a completely different thing and, and I think that's one reason why there's not as many muralists as are fine artists because many fine artists and I don't blame them they'd rather 
sit in a, in a studio by themselves in a nice area, paint when they feel like painting, paint what they want to paint. It's not a commission. It's just what they feel like painting that day. Whereas murals are completely different. You're subject to what the client wants. It's a commission kind of thing. But as long as you have a desire to, to please people and to bring their vision to life and you look forward to that, that moment when it's done and they love it and you can sign it. And at that point, you're glad you get a paycheck because you have to be able to live. But at the same time, it was worth it before they ever even handed you a paycheck. So true. So true. This is just like, like you said in the beginning, this is the best job. We have the best job. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think so too. <laughs> good. You're 14 years in and I think it's just such a good example of someone who just your whole story too. It's like it starts, starts out slow. You pitch yourself and then eventually you're booked three months out. Like it's yeah. just... That's, I think it's an inspiring story for, because we're doing May Mural Month right now and I'm pushing students to create a mural for some for the first time. And because it's so much, especially painting on a large scale, there's so much to learn. It's so intimidating. It's so hard. And so I wanted to bring people like you on to say (laughs) it gets easier and you you don't have to chase after business for a long time. It's just, it's, you can work really hard in the beginning and then it's easy breezy more so later on. Yeah, it's possible. People still appreciate hand-painted art, which is amazing in and of itself. And when people could just buy big stickers or wallpaper, like you're saying, there still is a market. They appreciate hand-painted art. And yeah, it's. I think it's a great time to be a muralist. Yeah. So if if you work hard, you can paint on carpet too. <laughs> yeah. You can even paint on carpet. It's possible. <laughs> you can paint a hundred feet up if you want to one day. I do not know, <laughs> but I props to you for doing that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Tony, it's been great to get to know you. It's just fun to talk to another muralist about muralist things. I just yeah. really enjoyed this. <laughs> and your work's amazing as well. So yeah, I enjoy seeing all your, uh, all your fun projects. I could definitely tell you have a, a blast doing it. That's that, that's <laughs> That shows through for sure. So good. I'm glad. Thank you from one ginger to another. I will <laughs> talk right. to you later. <laughs> Sounds good. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs> And just one more quick reminder that since May is Mural Month, I have created an extra special training for you to learn how to grow your own art business quickly using murals like I have. If you're listening this month and thinking, okay, let me see what this mural thing is all about, then go to artistacademy.co to learn how you can start making money in the mural biz. The majority of my income comes from murals and I want to help you get started too because I know how profitable they can be. So go to artistacademy.co to claim your free training this month and I really hope that you are enjoying May Mural Month. I will see you next week.